Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm here with another guest today. And let's just dig right into it. This is going to be a little bit different than any interview I have done before, but I'm excited about it. So please, my dear guest, go ahead and introduce yourself. What council are you from and what is your role? Well, my name is Susan Douglas, and I work within the Girl Scout movement. I am the CEO of Girl Scouts of Kentucky's Wilderness Road. I've been with the council for 12 years, and the Girl Scouts journey has been life-changing. And you can join it at five years old. You can join it at 55 years old. It truly is just amazing network of women and girls that are doing what the mission says, trying to make the world a better place. So thank you so much for having me today, Sarah. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Tell me, what made you want to pursue a leadership position in your council? It's interesting. I, I've been working in nonprofit organizations for more than 30 years. I'm from eastern Kentucky and currently live in central Kentucky. And our council serves the eastern half of the state. So our council geography is 67 counties. 48 of the counties are designated by the Appalachian Region Commission as the poorest, most distressed counties in America. And because of that, I've been, I've worked in nonprofits uh, addressing issues, everything from hunger, food insecurity, to housing insecurity, to domestic violence, child abuse. Like I've been in all these spaces. And when I had the opportunity to work with the Girl Scout Council, I found myself really being on the preventative side. Like, how do we truly help girls get themselves into on the path to financial sustainability, to to life happiness, to seeing different perspectives of community and mentorship and networking? And how do you do that before they ever become adults in spaces where they find themselves as victims or unable to choose between paying an electric bill or buying groceries for a family. How do we do that? When Girl Scouts would get to start working with girls at the age of five. And that makes an insurmountable amount of difference that we can gradually make life-changing opportunities available to girls that can change the trajectory of their entire life. And when I found myself in that position, I knew I, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Yeah, I want to, if you don't mind, I'd like to dig into that a little bit more because that mission and purpose, I so understand, empathize, and relate to. And I really love how you can speak to the geography of your council and the specific issues that girls are up against in your geographic area. And that's something that I recall really from being on the staff in my council as well, really being able to look at for for me, what's happening in Arizona and what's happening for Arizona's girls and what's the trajectory for Arizona's girls. And it's actually very weird now, I haven't worked there in 10 years, to be <laughs> disconnected from that and unplugged from that. And all the statistics and the information I know are 10 years old, right? Like, I would love to still be plugged into really the details of that. But I'm curious specifically, as far as actually literally being a CEO So there's so much work within Girl Scouts that you could do related to that mission. And so what is it about being in the CEO role that really appealed to you? 
That's a kind of a scary, intimidating question. I, when I was in grad school, my goal was really to be kind of the second in command. I love being that person who makes people shine. Now, I didn't really realize what that meant until I started on my own leadership journey post-graduate school. I grew up in eastern Kentucky, and so a lot of the obstacles and barriers that I grew up with are still alive and well today in eastern Kentucky, and they don't need to be. It's how we recognize them and how we approach them and how we support communities. I have heard all my life about the declining after the coal mines, for for example, closed. I heard all of the time people say, well, why don't people just leave? Well, that's so unfair. Generations of families have lived in Eastern Kentucky, and that's what they know and they love. And if you've ever been to Eastern Kentucky, it truly is a beautiful, beautiful space. It's not fair to expect people to uproot and move. It's also not fair to expect thing, those types of radical things to happen if you're not prepared to resource those types of transitions. But across the nation, it's not just girls in eastern Kentucky, throw in something crazy like this pandemic we've all lived through. Girls need safe spaces to take risks, period. All girls have experienced learning loss due to the pandemic. And for the state of Kentucky, we have our lowest proficiency in math and reading that we've had since the 1990s. And according to one of the most recent CDC reports in February of 2023, nearly 60% of teenage girls felt significant levels of hopelessness. Well, when you think about the opportunity to really lift up communities, no matter where we are, the research does matter. But the, the values of Girl Scouts, it's been around 111 years, that hasn't changed we really are here to build girls of courage, confidence, and character who can make our world a better place. So as a CEO, I'm not here necessarily to be the person with all of the answers, but I'm here to bring people together that can identify the problems that are most relevant in the moment that we can make an impact on. We can't solve everything, but we absolutely have spaces around mental health, girls in STEM education, healthy risk-taking, networking, how to be a sister, how to be kind, how to strengthen your empathetic muscle, um, and how to just change your community to be the space that you want it to be. We can do that in Girl Scouts. I love being a CEO of this organization, but it truly is unique in that it's not about what all I know, but it's what I can bring energy to. I love that answer so much. And thank you for sharing that. And I relate so much to your story because I also saw myself more in a COO role and seeing that as more like a second in command type of thing, which had a lot to do with my council structure probably. But I saw myself pursuing more that than a CEO role myself until I ended up starting my own company, which obviously put me on a whole different trajectory. But I find that so interesting because I suspect, and we won't spend too much more time on this. I want to get into the other questions that we have, but I 
I I really wonder if there's something to this being related to all of the statistics about women in leadership and girls in leadership and how funny to women here in this conversation who both pers- like were in pursuit of a second in command role but find ourselves um if you're good at leadership it I mean it's really important to have somebody steering the ship who is good at leadership. And when I think of leadership, I think of bringing out the best in the people around you and supporting the people around you to be the best versions of themselves and the best experts at what they do. And I think that is just so interesting. But anyway, what does your council do really well that you are super proud of? Well, uh, pre-pandemic, I thought that we had really great staff onboarding and retention programs, and we did to some extent. The pandemic definitely, it caused everyone to kind of reevaluate. And so I think that we have excellent outdoor programs. I think we have excellent long-term tenured volunteers. I think that we have excelled in the STEM space. One area in particular is in the state of Kentucky, we lost a lot of our high paying jobs in Eastern Kentucky when the coal mines were forced to close down and shift. And so in a lot of communities, your biggest employers are your educators. And if there's a hospital, your healthcare workers. But one of the growing industries that is growing very, very rapidly is around manufacturing, logistics, distribution, that truly brings engineering and innovation to the forefront. But there are also fields that most girls don't see themselves in. There's not a lot of television shows about women who are who are building and design, designing the next uh, manufacturing process, for example. However, the cookie program, right at the heart of that, is if we think about the cookie program as something more than just an entrepreneurship financial literacy program, and by the way, the greatest one in the world. (laughs) But really, if you think about every step that the cookie goes through to get to the consumer, it is absolutely no different than what a pair of Nikes goes through. So I'd recently had a conversation about the bombing in the Ukraine around the aluminum Uh, manufacturing, one of the biggest aluminum manufacturers in the world. And there is a shortage on the horizon of aluminum in the United States because of that. Well, not only does our cookies go through every single step, but we're also impacted on that supply chain issues too, because what will we wrap our Thin Mints in if there isn't access to aluminum? So, And last year, we had the discussion also about Ukraine and the flour shortage. Are we going to be prepared to meet the demand with the cookie program? But in Girl Scouts, we not only know how many pallets go on a semi-truck to know how to get the cookies around our service territory, but we know how many cases of cookies go in a Prius or a Tundra or an Explorer. We've got it to a science, and it's because of volunteers that we know all of that. Because volunteers collect that information and they learn from the struggles that they run into as volunteers and they build this kind of educational pipeline. So when I think about all of the opportunities on a local and a national level to really understand Girl Scouting, 
through the through a leadership lens, through a mentorship lens, but also just a critical piece in the workforce pipeline. And it is because of programming like the cookie program and the camp program that that brings that to fruition. And none of that happens without a vast network of volunteers that are excited about solving every single problem that comes along the way in that type of program. And I'm so glad that you brought up cookies because, of course, coming off of this cookie season, but really the past few to your a lot of your points, we can't not talk about cookies. I can't sit here and have this conversation with you and not and not talk about cookies. And I do want to say to the person listening, if you are new here or if you have missed a couple episodes, I have talked about this year's cookie season and some of the issues that we faced this year. I think I did two episodes this cookie season. And then last year, Jamil and I did workshop on creative cookie selling, innovative cookie selling that we broke out into several mini episodes on the podcast a year ago. So we have talked about some of these, um, what I like to call quote unquote cookie crises um, a few times. But I love how you mentioned Girl, Girl Scout volunteers enthusiasm. First of all, Girl Scout volunteers make that program happen, and second of all, they their enthusiasm and their excitement make it possible. And not, it's so easy to get burnt out when when people are frustrated. And I think it's it's awesome that you're able to shed some extra light on some of the additional pieces that are going into all of the complicated things that go into cookie season from a logistical perspective which then trickles down to affect the volunteers and the girls. But I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to just how has cookie season gone for you the past few years? And specifically, what do you want volunteers listening to know? Well, it's great that the listeners, for the most part, probably have some connection just by the nature of your podcast to the cookie program outside of just being a consumer. When I talk to people in mixed company, I often say, you know, what's the greatest thing you know about Girl Scouts? And people will uh, immediately start shouting out their the cookie variety they they like the best. And we love the fact that there's that type of attachment to the Girl Scout brand and mission. But the Girl Scout cookie program is not only the kind of quintessential program in that more girls participate in that program than any other program offered throughout Girl Scouts, but it powers what the girls are doing. One of the greatest things is it diminishes the need for the family's ability to pay for these extraordinary opportunities for girls so that they can go to camp. So there's not that extra burden. It also, if a girl decides that she wants to go visit our chalet in Switzerland or Pax Lodge in London, the cookie can power that adventure as well. But the struggle is real. When you're talking about any product that is dependent on a supply chain, it's no joke when you're seeing the now hiring signs in windows of your local retailers or empty shelves in your favorite stores or sizes of clothing being hit or miss in the boutique that you want to go to. Every supply chain issue that has happened to any other product in the market has happened to the cookie program as well. The biggest difference is the cookie support and entrepreneurship financial literacy program for girls. They do not fill retailer shelves. 
we need access to a huge quantity of product for a very short period of time. If there's a negative impact anywhere along the supply chain, it is immensely detrimental to the experience of the volunteers and girls because it's such a short window. When you say we're going to be two weeks late with the production of that product, that's two of six weeks for that year that you're not going to have that product. And it's not just the impact on the, the, the sales piece of the program, but it's the whole program for the girls. Now, I am a huge fan to talk about all of the reasons why girls need to hear the, the words no just as much as they hear yes. Absolutely, everyone listening to this, if you're not part of helping girls get to their goals in the cookie program on the inventory management and the location and, and on that logistical side of it, I hope you always say yes to girls when they ask you to buy cookies. However, no's are really hard to take. And so the earlier you start understanding that no to a box of cookies is not a personal failure, the stronger you are in the long run and the more risk-taking that you're able to take because you're not associating the no to that box of cookies to your own personal self-worth. However, when you have a lot of no's coming because you don't have all eight cookies of the product lineup, or if girls, five and six-year-olds have to defend decisions that were made specifically by adults, then you have to weigh, like, is it the growth of the program or is it the growth of the industry? I don't have a affirmative on either side of that. I know that digital cookie programs are the future Digital sales are the future, but so are in-person skill-building opportunities. And so whatever your local experience has been, whether it be low product availability or online digital sales versus in-person sales, whatever that's happened in each community is very unique and different and learning opportunities for all of us. Yeah, yeah. You really hit so many very important points there. And thank you so much for being willing to to speak about that. I, If you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, you know that I feel very passionately, very similarly to all of the things that Susan has just shared with us. And I, um, yeah, it's really hard. And I think none of us are saying it's not hard. We're all acknowledging that it's really hard. And it's especially hard for the volunteer who's in the middle of wanting to help these girls thrive and succeed, but also having to explain decisions that are out of your hands to sometimes very young girls. But I'm not sure sometimes if it's harder to explain to younger girls or to older girls who are probably going to ask more questions and uh, and push you a little bit harder on it. So either way, it's hard to be in the middle like that. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of energy for um, this sprint of this product program to then not hit a goal. That's really, really hard. And I think we're acknowledging that it's hard and also... Um, just that that 
periodic reminder that I always say on this podcast that no one involved in this process at any point along the way is out to get girls or out to, you know, destroy this program. And I think thinking about the future of the program is so important and thinking about, I mean, we can't not have digital cookie. We can't not have the option to be online. That has to exist. And we're looking at huge brands and companies that are extremely well established that went under because they did not adapt to being online and or they did not adapt quickly enough to being online. Inaccessibility is a problem and Girl Scouts of all organizations would care about the digital cookie program being inaccessible, but there's just so many pieces that go into it. And I especially love that you talked about the challenges that all uh, all supply chain issues that are affecting every industry affect this, but also this is a six-week period. So we need a ton of product across the country in staggered seasons but for a very short sprint of time that's that's like that's really hard (laughs) okay so let's move on what are some of your council's priorities right now like what are you working on well I don't think we're a unique council in that just like we spoke about some of the vulnerabilities in the cookie program and the supply chain issues is really diversifying our income stream to really invest in transformational opportunities for girls. And so you've probably seen several different councils are in the middle of of capital projects and investments in the spaces that they own for girls. And this is happening nationwide. I'm reading stories all of the time of some awesome work that's happening. So we, too, are working on some transformational projects like that. Girls need safe spaces. And I don't know that I truly understood exactly the impact of not having them until we were all locked in our homes during the pandemic. And so much of the service territory that I have is not connected to to reliable virtual spaces. The 13 states that represent the Appalachian Region Commission around the Appalachian Mountains, there is not a infrastructure in place to support broadband yet. They have been working on it for a very long time, and hopefully that will be solved soon. But when you're not that, that overwhelming feeling of being isolated and alone and what that can do, to any girl, any woman, any family, um, and how that just takes those negative thoughts in our head, in our heads, and things that we feel, and just perpetuates what that does to us. And all of this to say that our our need for safe spaces for girls to take risks in non-coed environments to have mentors like troop leaders or other Girl Scout volunteers that just show up cannot be measured in any real tangible way. So in Northern Kentucky, we have taken an 11-acre property and launched a capital campaign in 2020, right at the heat of the restrictions from the pandemic, to build an urban campus that is very near the CVG Airport, if anybody's familiar with the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport, that is kind of a hubs of the hub of the Midwestern 
logistics, DHL, Amazon, um, and still has people moving out of the airport as well. We're about 10 minutes away from that. And we own this 11 acres with a small lake that is the most accessible piece of property that we have in our portfolio across um, Eastern Kentucky. And in that space, what makes it so unique in comparison to the other spaces we have for girls is that it can bring every aspect of the girl girl scout leadership experience to one space. So not only can you earn and work towards earning your cybersecurity badges and your automotive engineering badges just down the road from some of the some corporate headquarters of great manufacturers like Coca-Cola and Perfetti Von Mel and Mazak and Mumbai, like L'Oreal, like all of these great manufacturers are just down the road. But you can also still go canoeing and participate in archery and hiking and all in a small space within city limits on public transit lines, which we don't have anywhere else. This campus is truly a space for girls to dream big. It is not a space like our resident camp for the adventurous and those uh, girls who want to go sailing and repelling or just a space in central Kentucky. We have a space that's very STEM focused, but it is a space where you can try everything. You can explore your interest. You can step outside of your comfort zone and it brings it all together. And even away, some of our most res uh, parents with greatest reservations about camp and outdoor experiences can kind of tiptoe in with their daughters or girls in their lives. That's probably one of the greatest adventures that we're on right now. And we're about 50% towards the fundraising goal. But it always amazes me when I read reports on philanthropy that less than 2% of philanthropic dollars in the United States go towards girls and women. And so as I watch all of these other councils that are, are successfully hitting their fundraising goals, and I listen to what our communities say about whether or not they want to invest, in Girl Scouts and Girl Scout programming, it often leaves me wondering, like, how do we talk about our story in a way that we can be seen as truly essential for girls to become the women and leaders in the community we want to see and create the community they want to be part of? Because without true, outside of the cookie program, the cookie program does a, a, goes a significant way in daily operations for the Girl Scout movement and the program. But it does not provide transformational investments in girls to receive the kind of support that they need to truly thrive into the future. And so how do we share that story and make sure that the community sees us as the essential community part of what makes a community vibrant, what makes it a place where employers want to bring their business, where employees want to live and raise their families, and part of what makes a community truly thrive. How do we tell that story? And so maybe as we're talking to Girl Scout volunteers through this podcast, and maybe some feedback will be shared, because I would love to, to hear, like, what are the things about Girl Scouting that make us essential to the community's health and vibrancy? 
Yeah. Wow. Such interesting things to think about there. And, you know, my gut also says to anyone listening that one other big takeaway from that is thinking about how we're talking about Girl Scouts in our own communities and keeping that in our minds about telling the story, even when we're talking about it conversationally. It's such a part of our lives. And especially as troop leaders, we spend so much time and effort, not just doing Girl Scouts, but thinking about Girl Scouts and planning Girl Scouts and doing all kinds of Girl Scout things. It kind of like lives rent-free in your brain all the time. I totally get that. And sometimes I think we kind of assume that the people in our lives know about it because it's such a big part of our lives. And also, I think I know for me, part of starting this podcast was wanting to find other people who wanted to talk about Girl Scouts as much as I want to talk about Girl Scouts because I thought the people who are close to me in my life who are not involved in the organization, they love that I am, but and they're so like patient and encouraging, but also they're just not as interested in it as I am. And so I think we're all kind of cautious of that as well, of over-talking about it. But if we can think about how we can talk about the great things that Girl Scouts are doing, that our troops are doing, what our experience has been of as volunteers that would help with recruitment, that would help with keeping it the organization top of mind when there are calls for donations or when the opportunity arises and also using the platforms we have to not just talk about those stories, but then to also ask for support for the organization. I know for a long time, I would get prompted on my birthday um, by Facebook to do a fundraising campaign and I would choose my counsel. Also, I know on Amazon, you can set an organization uh, for a charitable donation. So it's smile.amazon.com. And then certain percentages of your purchases can get donated to the organization you've designated as long as you're ordering through um, Smile, uh, as long as you have that in the URL. Or if you're using it on your app, you can just like turn it on. But anyways, so there are ways that we can call for more support and try to increase that that number. But I think a big part of that is storytelling and thinking about that when we are in our own lives, those of us who are living the stories, sharing those stories. And that's something that I also really have tried to do whenever, particularly whenever I need to recruit new co-leaders, I've always gone to my social media and start telling stories of things that stretched me out of my comfort zone or times I got to be really, really proud of a girl. And we have so many of those stories on this podcast we've collected from you. So telling those stories to people who are not in the Girl Scout community, I think would be really valuable. Okay. So What are you excited about that's coming soon or being built and developed in the movement as a whole? What I'm seeing is that there is a genuine refocus on the role of volunteers within our movement on the local level and the national level. We can't do any of our work without our volunteers. And so anything that we do that makes the work more difficult to your point about talking about things like Amazon and Facebook and all of these opportunities to share your stories and your passion about Girl Scouts. If the people sharing those stories are also then uh, 
struggling with operational issues from the council or from the movement or trainings or or whatever that is, sometimes it is hard to share just the positive side of the experience when we all know that there's you you volunteer because the good outweighs the bad, not that the bad never happens. But we can't do any of our work without volunteers. So I do see a genuine shift at the national level and at the local level for most councils around the support and satisfaction of the volunteer experience so that we can ultimately reach and serve more girls. We are also at the local level fortunate enough to have received a grant from the national level. We have two certified trainers in youth mental health first aid, and we have trained so far 24 of our staff have become certified first aiders, and we have trained about 60 community members. We think this focus on not everyone in the Girl Scout movement is a psychologist or psychiatrist or has a background in that in health and well-being training. However, every one of us as adults have a responsibility to be aware of what's happening in our communities and with the children in our communities. And how do we position ourselves as the Girl Scout movement as being a recognized organization that is in this space for the mental health and well-being of our future leaders? So we've embraced the Youth Mental Health First Aid certification, which was developed by the Mental Health Association and the Department of Behavioral Health at the federal level. And we've adopted that to make sure that all of our staff are prepared to not ignore uncomfortable situations, but we also don't have to feel like we are the people who have to address them. That has gone a long way in our preparation in moving forward, coming out of the pandemic and realizing the harm and hurt that our children have gone through because of various interruptions in their lives. And then for us in Kentucky, we compounded the years of very restricted access to education with a major flood um, in Southeast Kentucky that just eliminated school buildings that still have yet to be rebuilt. And so we have children that we have a good 10 years before we really know what that true impact is. And so how does Girl Scouts and the Girl Scout movement and organization position itself to be solution-based community partners in the areas of mental health and physical well-being, not just the girls that sell cookies? Yeah, yeah. Let's do some recognition. Who or what do you want to recognize from your council or from any other council staff or volunteer? I would say that our troop leaders probably deserve the most recognition. We have amazing volunteers that do a lot of work for our council. Our troop leaders, for those who may not be aware, may not have had the opportunity like you have, Sarah, to do to work in in that space. But it's a it's a very long commitment. Girls who identify girl their Girl Scout experience as something that made them successful women were in the program no less than three years. So when you volunteer with a group of girls to be a troop leader or a group leader, that mentorship 
of having the consistent person in their in the lives of these girls who always shows up through the good times and the bad times is just invaluable. The ability to build and maintain a healthy, trusting relationship at an early age is far more precious than gifts and awards. So my greatest recognition would really be to the volunteers in our movement. Um, any way that you volunteer is fantastic. We know that troop leaders have this long, tenured relationship with the girls that they serve in their community. I also um, would like to recognize our leadership team internally. There was the pandemic was very, very, very difficult in lots of ways. And I am very thankful that we didn't have to lay off any staff. We did put on, we did do a hiring freeze, but the state of Kentucky had very strict <laughs> restrict, restrictions when it came to public gatherings or even returning back to school. And our leadership team at our council, from the board to the cluster area volunteers to the staff directors in C-suite were very, very involved in making sure that every aspect of Girl Scouting was supported in the best way we knew how, even if it changed day to day throughout a very trying time across the country. And because of that, I see more opportunity for growth and service within our communities than I saw going into the pandemic. People want us, they need us. And when I look, when I think about what girls in the community can accomplish if given support and resources, it really, it can change the world. Thinking about 10% of any community being in actively engaged in community service projects, engaged in school board service, engaged in park cleanups, engaged in just solving local problems. The entire community feel, feels that kind of service. So how do we build communities? Well, one great way to build communities is to make sure that the Girl Scout volunteer infrastructure is strong and well in every community and every neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, in particular, I want to highlight how incredible it is that you did not have to go through any layoff cycles in the pandemic. That's amazing. And um, it's just such a tough time for everybody in every industry that, um, Man, the layoffs have been rough. So let's wrap up talking about you. <laughs> what do you do outside of Girl Scouts? What kind of stuff is important to you? And what do you hope to do or work on? What's next for you? What's on your five to 10 year plan? Tell me about you. Well, it's interesting that you're asking this question because I don't, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in that space. Just like you mentioned earlier that when you're, uh, when Girl Scouts is kind of just part of who you are. You tend to talk about that most often. When I say that we didn't have to do any layoffs, that did come with a price that I was up every night and awake bright and early in the morning. And when I realized people were actually answering the phone in federal government systems on Sundays, that became my Sundays. <laughs> um, 
I am not only very passionate about making sure all of our communities are healthy and whole, but I'm also very passionate about figuring out what it me what my journey should look like next. I serve on the Pritchard Committee in the in Kentucky, and the Pritchard Committee is a nonprofit that is focused on educational excellence across the state. And so in addition to having the awesome opportunity of serving Girl Scouts um, in our area, I also have the opportunity to to really play a key role um, within a leading organization that's helping make, make sure that we have the tools and resources in place for everyone to access education and be able to set a path for themselves for four-year post-secondary education or any type of certifications through our two-year institutions, associate's degrees, anything in logistics, manufacturing, and all of that. And I get to do that work too, which I find very fulfilling to be able to directly impact education and to help support girls in non-traditional education. I also, during the pandemic, became a dog mom. <laughs> I'd always been told that if I adopted a dog, it would change my life. And so I adopted two. <laughs> That's exciting. And the the other uh, thing I'm going to, I'm really focused on right now in trying to rebalance my life post-pandemic is I am planning a uh, trip in 2025 to recognize uh, my 20-year relationship and hope, hopefully getting to go on a cruise to go see the Northern Lights in the spring of 2025. So I love uh, that. And congratulations on 20 years. Well, thank you. <laughs> what a beautiful way to recognize it. And also just um, some really inspiring priorities and goals as well. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us about your council and the work that you do and um, the movement as a whole. And, and also of course, cookie season. I know it's just, it's, it's like that thorn that doesn't go away <laughs> when it's hard. It's what everyone wants to just continue hammering that nail. And I really appreciate that you took some time to speak with us about it. And just thank you so much for your time and for everything you do for girls and volunteers in your area. Well, thank you, Sarah, for having me on the show today. And if anybody ever wants to talk cookies, I am always available. You can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> thank you so much. And to those listening, we will see you next week. <laughs>